share with you today. Amen. The title of the message is Keep Calm and Know God's Got Your Back. Amen. This is year, this is 2020. We've declared the year of perfect vision, where our goal this year is to help, is to ask God to heal us so that we can see more clearly who God is, who we are, and who everyone else in the world is. And we can see with the eyes that God sees to the extent that he allows us to be able to do that. Amen. And this month we've been focusing on our vision of God and how we need to see God more clearly. Because friends, our view of God is dim sometimes. Everybody has a view of God and you know this. Everybody that you work with, everybody that you live with, everybody that you interact with, everybody has a view of God. And many of those views of God are distorted. They are cloudy. They are dirty. They're like looking through a pair of glasses that you haven't cleaned. And friends, my hope and prayer today is that we will just clean the lens of our spiritual eyes a little bit so that we can see clearly who God is, and that God would even use us in the words that are planted in us today to be able to share that message with other people, to pray for them, to talk to them, to help them to see more clearly who God is. And today we're looking at this aspect because we need people to know, you need to know, I believe the world needs to know that God is for you, not against you. Let me say it again, God is for you, not against you. And that's hard to see sometimes. We need to be honest. It's hard for us to see sometimes, right? It's definitely hard for those who aren't here this morning to see that. In fact, there are those who are not here who will never come here because they do not see that God is for them and not against them in a world where everything is against us. So often people say that the church is just another place that they're against me. They're against me and therefore God must be against me. But friends, God is for you and not against you. And he will not give up. He will not give up. And that's the message today. And I want to preach from this psalm that um, Rosalie read for us. Amen. And, and Psalm 91 is a powerful psalm of God's protection. And I want to talk about God's protection today. You know, you hit this little verse in the middle where it says he will command his angels concerning you. And a couple weeks ago we sang the God of the angel armies is always around me. And it comes from a story in the Bible that I want to share as my introduction this morning. It's just one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's so full of drama and humor and the power of God. And to me that's just what life is all about and what it should be about. Amen. So there was a situation back in the ancient times in the history of Israel. And this is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. If anybody's taking notes or making a mental note. 2 Kings chapter 6. And it was this king of Aram who led the Arameans who was fighting a war against the king of Israel. And what he did was he would scout out places in the countryside where he could camp and provide an ambush for the, for the army of Israel. So he would scout out these places and he would camp there. But then God would tell Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, where those places were. So Elisha would go to the king of Israel and he'd say, you better not go over there because that's where the dudes are. They're going to get you. And he'd go and he'd check it out and he'd be like, what do you know? Elisha's right. So he avoided that place. And this happened time after time after time after time again. And you can imagine the king of Aram getting a little frustrated, kind of like Wile E. Coyote trying to get the roadrunner. He just can't seem to get him. He seems foiled at every turn, right? And so what he does is he calls all his leaders together and he said, okay, who's on the other side? Who's for the king of Israel? Because somebody is telling on us and giving away our information. And one of the officials stood up and he said, listen, king, we're, we're all behind you. We're all cool. We've investigated it. It's none of us. Here's the situation. What happened was this. There's this man, Elisha, okay. He's a man of God. And he tells the king of Israel everything you say. The Bible says he says the words that you say in your bedroom. It's like the dude is in your bedroom, like listening to what you say. And then he's going and he's telling the king of Israel. And then the king of Israel just knows your plans and you, and you don't ever catch him. And the king said, well, then we got to stop this man of God. You need to go find out where Elisha lives. And I'm going to send a force there. And we're going to take him and we're going to kill him because this has got to stop. So they come back with the report. The man of God, Elisha, is living in the city of Dothan. You need to go there. 
So the king sends a strong force, the Bible says, with horses and chariots. And they come at night and they surround the city where Elisha is staying. So that when dawn comes up, the servant of Elisha goes outside in the morning. And the Bible doesn't say exactly why he went outside. But you can imagine why you might go out in the morning, right? You might need to get the paper. You're having a cup of coffee. You know, I'm going to feed the dog. Whatever he's got to do in the morning, he goes out in the morning and he looks up. And the enemy army is surrounding the city. And you can imagine what went through his mind because this servant knows what his master is about. And he knows that they're coming for him. And he goes inside and he's like, Elisha, we got a problem. <laughs> Elisha says, what's the problem? He's like, come, come here, come outside, take a look. And he takes him outside and he says, look, the armies of the enemy, the Arameans, are surrounding the city. And it's their strong force. And they got horses. And they got chariots. And you can just feel the anxiety and the fear building up, right? And I like to imagine Elisha just gets a little smile on his face puts his hand on his servant and he says, listen, man, don't worry about it. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Now just pause there for a minute, right? We say amen. But imagine the servant. Imagine if you were in that spot and he says that to you and you're looking out and you're going, you and what army, Elisha? This is you and me. <laughs> and I don't know about you. I know you got the power of God, but I was just out here having a cup of coffee reading the paper. I wasn't about to go to war this morning. Have you seen the numbers? Have you seen what it is? Friends, how many times do people challenge our faith when they can't see clearly because they say, look at how bad it is. Look at the amount of the opposition. How can you dare say that God is with you, that there are more that are with you than more than those that are with them. And then Elisha says, oh, Lord God, open his eyes so that he can see. And the Lord opens the servant's eyes and he sees that there are angel armies Right now, that's a strong force, amen. And there are horses of fire and chariots of fire. Now, if you're as old as me, it makes you think, da 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 da. There's horses of fire, there's chariots of fire, they're surrounding. And the servant's eyes are opened, his vision is cleared to see the reality of God's protection in their life. And that would be an amazing story right there, right? But I love how sometimes there's these stories in the Bible, like little gems of humor. As they start to advance, Elisha's like, watch this. Strike them blind. They go blind. Now they can't. Now they're blind coming in there. And he goes up to them while they're blind and he says, this isn't the road you're supposed to be on. This isn't the city you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. This is not where you should be. Let me take you to where they are. And he leads them to Samaria, the capital city of the Israelites. And he leads them in blind so they don't know where they're going. Can you just imagine this? This just cracks me up. He leads them in blind into the enemy territory where the army of Israel is now surrounding them. And he says, okay, Lord, now open their eyes. And they open their eyes and they're like, oh, snap. <laughs> we are not in Dothan anymore. <laughs> we are right. And there's the king of Israel and there's everybody pointing spears and arrows and whatever at us. Oh, my gosh. And the king of Israel, he's getting all excited. He's like, he's like my father. He calls Elisha his father. He's like, my father, my father, poppy, poppy, should I kill him? Should I kill him? And Elisha, in a moment of creative mercy and grace, he says, no, don't kill him. Give him something to eat. Give him something to drink. And the king throws a feast for his enemies. And they eat and drink. And then he sends them home. And because of that creative act of mercy and grace, guess what? They never attack Israelites again from that moment on, right? Because it is the power of God that delivered them, that delivered Elisha. But then delivered his entire nation that put an end to the conflict that they were experiencing. 
Friends, this is a great illustration of what it means to understand and to have our vision, our eyes open to see that God is protecting us, right? And so I want to look a little closer at Psalm 91 today, right? Where it says, God will command his angels concerning you. And that story is an example of that. But the promise is for us today and for our children and our children's children that God is a shelter for us. Remember the first verse of the psalm, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. For God is our refuge. And I want to talk about the protection of God. And I want to talk about some principles of protection this morning. And the first principle is this, you got to get inside. You got to get inside when danger's coming. Now, I grew up in a land far away called Colorado. And out in Colorado, we would have tornadoes in the spring and in the summer quite often. So what they did was they had a siren that was a tornado warning that would go off in the neighborhood so that you knew a tornado was coming. You see, young people, we didn't have these back then, right? So the only way you could get a notification if there was an emergency was something called the emergency broadcast system. Who remembers that here this morning, right? Where that annoying sound would come on, eh, 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 and then a message would scroll across the TV or the radio would come on. And they'd say, there's an emergency, and they'd tell you what the emergency was, right? And that's how you found out about tornadoes that were coming to get you okay but if you were outside and, and you weren't listening to the radio you know outside or whatever they had this siren that went off and it was really loud so everybody would hear it so when I was young about 11 or 12 uh, me and my younger brother were visiting my cousin's house and we were playing in the neighborhood and you know how it is it was a nice Saturday we were playing in the neighborhood all the kids were out we were going from yard to yard we found ourselves in a yard about three houses down from where our cousin's house was and that tornado siren went off and let me tell you I don't know if you ever heard the tornado siren but it was loud. I feel like it was like right down the block. I don't know where it was, but it was like, whoa. And we, we were all like, oh, man, that's a tornado. That's, this is not a warning. This is it. The tornado's coming. So all the kids start running, right? And all the parents start coming out on the porches yelling for the kids to get inside, get inside, right? Get inside. And I started running back down the street to get to my cousin's house to get inside, right? And I looked back, and my brother wasn't with me. And I got panicked, and I looked back, and he was standing on the, in the front steps of the porch of this house that we were at, and he was just frozen. You see, my brother had this thing, and it happened several times in his life, where when he gets afraid, he freezes. It's just like a physical reaction. He freezes, and he doesn't move. So I had to go back, and I had to grab him. I had to shake him a little bit. I said, come on, Jim, we got to go. We got to go. And I started pulling him, and then he kind of snapped out of it, and we started running because we had to get inside. Because when a tornado came, what they told us to do was get inside your house. And get down into the deepest part of your house where the foundation is, where the strong things are. And stand by a pipe or a pillar right until the danger passes. Because the principle of protection is you got to get inside. Amen. You got to get inside the protection. The angel armies surrounded them even though they felt surrounded, right? And the Bible says that, that our, our, when we dwell in the Most High, right? When we rest in the shadow of the Almighty, that he'll cover us with his wings. There's a protection that God gives us that we need to come inside of. And we need to get inside of that, that protection. And we need to dig down deep to the foundations of what we believe to experience that. Again, this is, this is the verse from the first. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, in Proverbs 18.10, it says this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So I want to talk a little bit about the name today, the name of the Lord. Because in that verse, we get two names for God. Elion, which means the Most High, and El Shaddai, which means the Almighty. And the names of God tell us about the character of God. 
so that we can understand that this is the kind of protection that we are to get into. Amen. So Elyon means the highest, the most high God, the God above all gods. Now, of course, we know that some people build um, structures of safety on a hill or a mountain because then they can see what's coming and there's protection there. But sometimes you got to go down and get to the rock and the foundation for some disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes and things that come, right? So, but the, but when, so when it says the most high, it's not necessarily talking about elevation, but it's talking about the, 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 that God is the best God, that God is the premier God. You see, the Israelites believed that their God, Yahweh, was the best God, was the God above all other gods, that he was exalted, he was the highest, he was the best, right? And if you're going to get inside the protection, you want the best, right? When you need to be protected, when you understand the dangers, you want the best, right? It's like those commercials, okay is not okay when it comes to the protection that you need, right? And people have all of these systems, they have all of these things apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, but they're just okay and they're not going to hold up when the storms of life will come and they come. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. El Shaddai means the all-powerful, the almighty as it's translated. It also carries the idea of sufficiency, that the power and the strength of God is sufficient, that it's enough. In fact, it's more than enough. You see what it means when you have to get inside the name of God? You have to get into the presence of God. You have to get inside. You have to dig down deep. You have to hold on to the truth that God is the one true living God, that he is all-powerful, almighty, and he will protect you no matter what amen you got to get inside you got to get inside the name of God it is a strong tower that will protect you but there's a, so how do we do that we do it through prayer we do it through prayer and there's this I think we need to get back to this basic you know in church sometimes I guess especially when we have meetings or gatherings or Bible studies we say we're going to open and close in prayer right it's just a standard thing that we we used to do when we were kids, we'd always pray before our meal, you know, and sometimes you just have these prayers that you do because they're ritual. But I think we need to recapture this, friends. I think that if we want to access the presence of God, if we want to get inside the presence of God, it comes through prayer. I believe that it comes through prayer. Prayer is what helps you to, to kind of quiet all of your other senses. And, and, and part of the value of prayer is that meditation aspect where we can just quiet everything and we can connect our spirits with the Spirit of God. Where suddenly we're aware of God's presence. Where we can actually, we can't exactly describe it in a physical way necessarily, but we're aware that there's a presence surrounding us. We don't feel alone anymore. We know that we are, we got to remember that through prayer. So we open and close in prayer. The people that wanted to get closest to God, that wanted to live in that constant presence, they were what we call our spiritual mothers and fathers, both in our churches and in the history of Christianity. And they would seek God through prayer Three times a day, five times a day, seven times a day. They'd even get up throughout the night and pray. And those who embarked upon that discipline of prayer many times throughout the day would enter into this sense of the presence of God that was powerful, that was all-encompassing. And they would know that they are safe. The name of the Lord had become for them a strong tower that they had come into and they were safe. And you access it through prayer. Friends, what if this year we just said let's open and close in prayer our lives, right? And I think the most basic thing we can do is pray when you get up 
and pray when you go to sleep. Amen? How many of us, we know that's what we should do. That's what we were taught, some of us, right? I mean, it sounds so simple and so basic, but I think we've forgotten it, right? I think we wake up and we're already thinking about all the things that we have to do, and we're in a rush to get where we're going, that we don't stop to just pray and to recognize the presence of the Lord that surrounds us. When we get to the end of the day, we're just tired, we're just worn out, and we say, I'm just going to rest for a minute, and then we're out. Or is that just me? Nobody else. I mean, sometimes, right? Sometimes you just knocked out, and that's it, right? And you're like, you don't even take time to pray. And thank God, what if we framed every day in prayer so that every day we lived in the presence of God. Where every day we dwelt in the shelter of the Most High. And at night we rested in the shadow of the Almighty. Because it's true whether you realize it or not. It's true whether you see it or not. The angel armies were there long before the servant saw it. It didn't change the reality of God's presence in your life. God is there with you every moment of every day if you've invited him into your life. Yes, he is, but you won't know it unless you pray. You won't recognize it unless you pray. And Elisha said, God opened his eyes. It was through prayer that he was able to see and experience the presence of God that was already there. Friends, I'm inviting you, I'm exhorting you. Starting tonight, why don't you open and close each day of the week? Why don't you commit yourself to prayer? And with the presence of God, you'll begin to feel how is it, it is a strong tower that surrounds you. Amen? That it is the shelter that you can dwell in. That it is the protection that you need. So let me say a little bit more about the name if I can today. We now know because of Jesus Christ that we have the name of Jesus Christ, amen? That the name of the Lord is not just all the names from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, but the name of the Lord is now revealed as Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the name that has power and authority over everything, right? The name of Jesus, the Bible says, at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is the name of Jesus Christ that the disciples and the early Christians, that they operated in power. It was the name of Jesus Christ that they took. And it's important because when you take a name, that name can give you protection. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When you take the name, the name can give you protection. Let me give you an example. In 1993, I was living in Southern California. And I went to a men's Christian conference at the L.A. Coliseum, which is the, the large stadium where the Olympics were held, where, where USC plays their football games. And it was a large crowd of about 60 to 70,000 men, and we were there to hear speakers. Well, the Coliseum sits in downtown Los Angeles, so on the north side of the Coliseum is the University of Southern California. It's a beautiful campus, all kinds of college kids walking around, you know, just a beautiful, you know, millennial heaven up there in, a, you know, in that college area. But just to the south of the, like literally the street starting to the south of the stadium is South Central L.A. I don't know how many of you remember or know about South Central L.A., and I said I was there in 1993, just a mere six months after the riots that ripped through that neighborhood. Because the policemen that beat Rodney King were acquitted and riots broke out that almost devastated the city. The National Guard had to be called in and everything. And I mean, it was a dangerous neighborhood. And we actually drove through that neighborhood to get to the stadium. And my friend who was there who knew the area, he was pointing out where certain things had happened that we had heard about and we had seen on the news. And we drove through there and we got into the stadium. And one of the speakers we heard was the great pastor, Reverend E.V. Hill. And E.V. Hill had been in South Central Los Angeles since 1961. 
he, w- he was a national leader in the Baptist church, and he got up, and he was always had a joke with him, you know, and he said, welcome to my hood. <laughs> he's like, welcome to South Central. And he's like, now some of you that parked on the south side of the stadium, we're just going to pray that your cars will be all right when you get back to them, right? But he said, here's what you do. If you go back and you have any trouble, you tell them you're with me. You tell them you're with E.V. Hill, and you'll be all right. And what he was joking about, but what we know is true, is that there are certain names that carry protection, aren't there? Right? And I have to believe that if I was walking through that neighborhood on my own, I would not feel or be as safe if I was walking through that neighborhood with E.V. Hill. Because the presence of him and his name provided protection over anybody that would go into his territory. Well, friends, we live in a world that is beset with troubles. We live in a world that is dangerous on all sides. And Jesus Christ doesn't just own a neighborhood. Jesus Christ doesn't just live in one city or one place. But the whole earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So you've got to understand that when you take the name of Jesus Christ, you're walking with the one who created it all. It all belongs to him. And there is power of protection when you take the name of Jesus Christ upon your life. How do you take the name? It's very simple, friends. Some of you, I want to tell you, listen well today. This is how you take the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart. And the Gospel of John says if you believe in Jesus Christ and you receive him into your life, then you become a child of God. You carry the name of Christ with you. You get the family name. You get adopted so that your name now is changed into the family name of God, which is Jesus Christ. And when your family, your family, and let me tell you, Satan can't mess with nobody that's part of the family of God. Because Jesus Christ is the one whose name you take, and that name protects you. Friends, if you've never done that, please take today and take the name of Jesus. Confess him with your mouth, believe in your heart, and receive him into your life. That's what all you have to do, friends. And I invite you to do that. I invite you to do that because, man, man, those, can I get a witness? Anybody feel the blessing of taking the name of Jesus Christ? That's why we're here. We know it. That's why we're called Christians. Christian is Christ. We've taken the literal name, and that's what we call ourselves, is we take the name of Jesus. And that's one principle of protection. But here's the one I want to get to, all right? Are you using the name? I'm going to get in on some of us today, right? Because how many of us have taken the name, but are you using the name? Are you operating under the power and the authority that you've been given? Friends, they say this, that in America every year, there are a billion dollars in gift cards that go unused. Are you kidding me? A billion dollars in gift cards, free money. That's not being used. People take the card, it's got their name on it, but they don't use it. Now, I'm sorry if some of you do that. God bless you. I don't understand. I mean, you give me a gift card, I'm using it. I'm spending every last dime on that card, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Lisa, I go to Dunkin' Donuts, and I got 10 cents left on the card, and I'm like, you use that card first. (laughs) And they're like, there's only 10 cents on here. It's like, I don't care. You take it off first, and then I'll pay you the rest, right? I use every last penny of those gift cards, man. I don't waste nothing, right? Can you imagine being given a gift card that had an unlimited amount on it, right? And not using it, keeping it in your wallet, forgetting it when you go out, not buying things, complaining that you don't have anything. When all the while you have a card with unlimited resources on it and you never ever use it. We take the name of Jesus Christ. We take it in all of its authority and power and protection and do we use it? 
Now, friends, let me be very, very clear. Because the metaphor takes us so far, but then we have to break it down. God is not like a gift card. God's not there to just give us whatever we want. You need to hear this clearly, right? You need to hear this clearly. But God does have unlimited resources. God does have unlimited power. God can do. And the reason that we pray in the name of Jesus, right, is not so that he'll just do whatever we want, but so that we will understand if it's according to your will, Jesus. So we got to understand the will of God. And when we understand what God's will is, then we begin to flow, right? And if we're just calling on the promises of God, God is true to his promises, right? But it doesn't mean that he just snaps his fingers and gives it to us, right, all the time. But we get into the flow of God's spirit and his will. And then, my friends, you will begin to access resources that you've never accessed before. You will begin to understand power that you've never thought before. You will have authority. But it's his authority. It's not your authority. Some people get it a little off, right? They're like, they're, they're claiming things in the name of Jesus, and they're trying to use the name of Jesus, but they're operating under their own authority. And it's not your authority. It's Jesus' authority. So if he says no, he says no, and that's okay. And if he says wait, he says wait, and that's okay. And as we say, if he says move, then it's going to move. And if he says stay, then it's going to stay, right? you got to get this right. we got too many people getting beat up by the devil. Remember the people that tried to drive out the demon in Acts? And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches, come out. And what did those demons say to him? Well, we know Paul, we know Jesus, we don't know who you are. But they said, well, you're operating under your own authority. And they whooped them. The demons whooped them. Because they were operating under their own authority. Some of us all have taken the name of Jesus as Christians. And we're trying to use the name. But we're trying to use it in our own authority. And we're getting whooped by the devil. Am I talking to anybody today? Am I talking to anybody today? we got to come under the authority of Jesus Christ, under the authority of his name to get the power of his name. Oh, how about that, huh? you got to come under the authority of his name to access the power of his name, right? Because it's his power and his authority. But friends, we need to use it. How do we use it, friends? The same way that we access the presence of God. It's through prayer. It's through prayer. It's, the Bible says, do everything you do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How about if 2020, friends, was the year that we didn't just take the name of Jesus, we started using the name of Jesus, amen? And we use it through prayer, amen? And I think every situation we go into, you pray as you go in, and I'm going in in the name of Jesus Christ, and the power and the authority that Jesus Christ wants to give me today, I'm walking into my work. Woo! Some of you want to change in the place where you work? What if you prayed that every time you got out of your car or you got off the bus, and as you're walking into the place where you work, as you're crossing your threshold, you say, today I'm going to operate under the authority and power of the name of Jesus Christ. It's been given to me, and I'm going to use Use it as God directs me, amen? Now, what if we started doing that everywhere that we went? Every meeting we went into, oh, friends, some of you, right? I, I saw this great post on social media that said, how many of you get pre-anxiety? You get anxious just thinking about the meeting you're going to have or the person you're going to talk to, right? You, you get that pre-anxiety going on, right? What if every time you had to enter into a conversation, especially ones you knew that was going to be difficult, you said, I'm going to talk to this person in the, under the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, give me the words to say. In the name of Jesus Christ, give me the wisdom to understand. In the name of Jesus Christ, help me to make a creative difference. Remember, Elisha just didn't sit back and rest on the power of God, right? He made a creative difference by accessing the power of God. He didn't just sit back there and let the flaming, you know, horses and chariots take care of the thing. He acted. He said, God, blind them. God, I'm going to take them here. I'm going to deliver them to the enemy. And then after I deliver them to the enemy, I'm going to teach them about mercy and grace, all of them. And I'm going to do a creative act of mercy and grace. And so, he was acting, right? 
He didn't just sit back and have the name of Jesus and not use it. Well, of course, he didn't know Jesus. But you know, he had the name of the Lord and not use it. But even though he had the protection of God, he had the name of God, he used it under the authority of God to bring about a creative difference in the world. Friends, I believe that 2020 is a year where God wants us to not just take his name. And friends, if you've never taken his name, please do. You must take the name. For without the name, we are lost. Without the name, we are like orphans. Without the name, we, we are just in darkness. We can't see clearly. But when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts and receive Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit gives us vision to see that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. We are given vision to see that there is power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ for each and every situation in our lives, for each and every task and things that we do. What I'm talking about is total reliance on God today, friends. Because sometimes it's hard to see. Can we be real for just a minute? It is hard to see God, isn't it? It is hard to see his protection, his deliverance, his power that he's for us because of the pain of life, because of the suffering, because of the difficult things that we go through, because of the injustice and the oppression that we've experienced or that we see other people experiencing, right? Because of all the challenges, because of the stresses that are in our life. They dim our vision. They make it hard for us to see God. And we cry out. Even the Psalms cry out. In Psalm 88 it says, God, why have you hidden your face from me? Why have you abandoned me, God? In Psalm 89 it says, are you going to hide your face from me forever, God? Those emotions are real. They're honest. We experience them. We feel like God is hiding from us. But the truth is found in Psalm 37 that God, in fact, is our hiding place. With a clouded vision, we think that God is hiding from us. With a clear vision, we see that God is, in fact, our hiding place. Isn't that so good? When we feel like God is hiding from us, remember he's actually your hiding place. He's actually created a space for you, which is his presence. His presence that can be with you everywhere, every moment. And it can surround you. He says, you protect me from trouble, you surround me with songs of deliverance, right? He surrounds us. Did you notice that image throughout everything I've said? There's this encircling. When Psalm 91 verse 4 says, you will be my shield and my rampart, literally the, the words, the original language says, you will be an encircling protection around me. That's what a shield and a rampart means, that you will encircle me with protection. The angel armies would encircle you and protect you from the enemies trying to encircle you, right, and surround you. But God gives you a surrounding protection, a tower, right, that image of a tower that surrounds you completely so that you are protected on all sides, above and below. There's this encircling protection, and it says you surround me with songs of deliverance. We've been talking about prayer, about how we access this, but we also access it through worship. You guys remember, and if you didn't, take a listen to it, Pastor Angel's sermon last week. Right, Pastor Angel? You said, turn your worry into worship. Turn your worry into worship. Do you see that? You surround me with songs of deliverance. If you want to access the angelic powers and the power of God and the power of Jesus that constantly surrounds your life, if you want your eyes open to see it, then we need to start opening our mouths and praising God. We need to sing songs of deliverance. We need to sing songs of worship. Your worship, friends, will help you to realize the encircling protection of God Almighty. And finally, friends, it says in Psalm 91 that God is faithful to us. 
that God is faithful to us. And I want to give you this word today, friends. I want to give you this word. Actually, I got two more things. I got this thing and one more thing, right? And he wants to give you a word that he is faithful because we are not always faithful. We, we, we are not faithful. We, we are broken. We are hurt. We mess things up. And friends, sometimes the first thing the world needs to see is that we're honest. We mess things up. The second thing the world needs to see is that there's power to heal the mess. We mess things up. But God is faithful even when we are faithless. You need to know this verse. I believe this verse will change your life. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, Paul says, here is a phrase, a trustworthy saying. This is something you should commit to memory. If we disown God, he will disown us. But if we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Do you understand that? So the fear is in the first part. If we disown God, he'll disown us. Well, what does that mean? That means you don't want the name of God. You won't take the name. You don't take the name of Jesus. You say, no, I reject that name. I reject that. I don't want that. I'll have my own name, thank you very much. Right? I'll, I'll stick with what I got. I'm going to see how that works. It's a full-out rejection of God. Well, obviously, if you full-out reject God, then God says, okay, your will be done. Go ahead. God gives us free choice, right? That's disowning God. Yes, there is a danger, a danger in disowning God because you are cut off from his presence. It, mean, it simply means you don't take the name. But if you take the name, you're faithless. You just mess up sometimes. God remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Once his name is on you, his name is on you. But you got to get that name on you. Don't walk out of here without getting the name on you. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, receive Jesus Christ. And then once you take the name, God will remain faithful to you. Hallelujah. Because there he cannot disown himself. You are one of his. You are his daughter. You are a Christian. You got the name of Christ, right? You're no longer just, you know, a Reyes or a Veronin or a Watson, right? You're a Christian. You got the name of Jesus. You're in his family. We sing about his blood because we're blood now. We're not just connected in some superficial way, but we are family with God. And God cannot disown himself. He cannot. He will not. He won't. Even if we're faithless. Oh, my God. God will remain faithful. It's God's work. It's God's protection. It's his promise. You just got to get inside. Surround yourself with songs of deliverance. Open yourself up in prayer to God each and every day. And friends, you will experience what we're talking about in this psalm writing. You will experience that God does have angels to protect us. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You need to understand that going out today, right? That no matter what is aligned against you, you got more with God than the enemy's got on his side, right? You know how when we were kids, you used to taunt each other. You say, oh, yeah, you and what army? And you say, I got the angel armies <laughs> behind me, and then I got the name of Jesus Christ. So, devil, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you ain't got nothing. <laughs> you ain't got nothing. And we access that through prayer, through songs of deliverance, through time spent in the presence of God. Friends, I got to tell you one more thing. I got to got to tell you this, because rightly so, some people today are bothered by this message. And let me explain. Because you've experienced a lot of difficult things. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. You've been damaged. And you want to say, God, where is my protection? Where's my protection, God? How come it feels like 
I don't get this thing that we're talking about. I don't get this protection. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the wounds. I'm feeling the arrows. Those swords are getting to me, right? And it's hurting. Well, we need to take this to one more level if we can this morning. God's protection is as you go through, not to keep you out of it. As you go through, not to keep you out of it. Because in our minds, with unclear vision, we think God's going to protect me by not allowing anything to come into my life, by keeping me separated. We think that that tower is like that building on a hill where we just get into it and nothing of the world is going to touch us. But friends, we need, to, we need to take this image to another level. That tower is a mobile tower. That tower is a tower that you move in. It's not a place that you go and you hide away from the world, but rather it's a protection that you're given to walk through the world. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? That's why it's described as armor. That's why it's called the armor of God. That God's protection is like armor that you put on. It's a shield you've been given. It's a sword in your hand and an axe in the other hand. And why would you be given that to just sit at home and do nothing? Friends, it is the wrong prayer to say, God, don't just keep, don't let anything bad happen to me. That's not the prayer. The prayer is, God, protect me so that while the bad things are happening, I'm going to walk through in victory. And I will not be defeated. Because God intends us to go through that to keep us out of, friends. And it's so important that we understand that in this world that we live in. Because there is a battle. And it's going to get fierce. And yes, you will get wounded. But you have the armor of God, the protection of God, His presence, His name, the authority, the power of Jesus Christ that you put on each and every day. And nothing, nothing, nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you in the end. And even if you get wounded, and even if you get knocked down, you are never, ever alone, and that's more than enough. Because even when I'm knocked down, I remind myself, God, I'm knocked down, but I'm rested in the shadow of the Almighty, of the Almighty. Let's pray, friends. Let's pray and access this right now here today before we leave. Amen. Amen. Just invite you to bow your heads in prayer. And I just want to guide you through the last verse of the Psalms as a way of accessing the promises and the presence of God. Amen. Amen. The Lord declares in Psalm 91, verse 14, He says, I will rescue you. Hallelujah. Those of you who need to receive that today, receive this word and dwell on it. God will rescue you. God says, I will be with you in your trouble. Just meditate on the promise that God is with you. The Lord says, I will deliver you. Just meditate on the deliverance of the Lord. says he will answer you. Maybe you have a prayer that you've been praying for a while and God wants to tell you today, I will answer you. I will answer you. I will answer you. When you call on me, I will answer you.
God says, I will honor those who love me. God will honor you. Maybe some people are trying to bring you down. Maybe somebody is speaking against you. They're trying to come against you. But God says, you are my child and I will honor you. Just receive that today if you need to hear it. The Lord says, I will satisfy you. I will satisfy you. Just meditate on that. It's kind of a deep word when you think about it. God will satisfy you. Satisfy. And finally, God says he will show you his salvation. You need to receive salvation today. Simply pray in your heart, say, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again from the dead. I receive you into my life. Go ahead and pray that if you need to pray that today. Jesus, I confess that you will be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. And I receive you into my life. You might even want to picture the name of Jesus Christ just being dropped onto you, right onto your shoulders. Stitched on the back of your jacket. You belong to Jesus. 